If you followed this podcast or Nomad Strength for any amount of time longer than about three minutes, you've probably realized that I love to train, I love to make and eat good food, and I love to hunt and be in the outdoors. So imagine my joy when I come across a company called Hunt, Lift, Eat. Today, I'm joined by founder Luke Cox. Luke started the apparel company by purchasing a sewing machine and stitching on the first 100 hats himself. Since then, HLE has grown to design awesome apparel and workout programs designed to get you ready for the mountains. In our conversation today, Luke and I talk a lot about building online businesses, the mindset of an entrepreneur, and how to overcome the hurdles that stop many of them these days. We also talk training and, of course, hunting and time in the mountains. So enjoy this episode of the Nomad Strength Show. Let's dive into the good stuff with Luke Cox. crazy bad allergies right now my eyes are all puffed up and swollen it looks terrible on camera so (laughs) (laughs) i'm not just trying to be some cool guy wearing sunglasses inside or something (laughs) no worries at all uh all right everybody welcome back to the nomad strength show uh got one that we've been we've been working on for a long time now to get scheduled and going and i'm glad today's the day we finally get to do it i've got luke cox uh from hunt lift eat joining me today and man i'm glad we finally nailed it down and the funny the funny reason that you have some timing is because you kind of are on like this on-call mode you guys got a a baby on the way here so you kind of got some some leave time which is you know i'll take it we get to chat a little bit but thanks for making the time man yeah thanks for having me and uh, the patience to you know deconflict our schedules it's been an absolute (laughs) nut roll we've been uh it feels like six eight months now i think we we first started chatting and then i was deployed at one point and then came back and life's just been a whirlwind found out i was moving last minute and had to move so and then now, yeah, the baby, like my wife, I keep, there's a joke with one of my guys. We keep saying like, all right, next month, things are going to slow down. Next month, things are going to slow down. And I feel like it's just ramping up even more every day. <laughs> yeah, same. And it was, and it was both of us too, because it would be, and it would alternate. It was like, yeah, we're good here. And then I would have something that came up last minute. And then next time you would have something that came up last minute, but we're here now and we're, we're going to make it happen. So, uh, I started following you guys. It's, it's been a couple of years now, um, and then when I moved over, uh, when this show moved over to to Waypoint a couple years, uh, about a year and a half ago or so, uh, I started listening and following you guys a lot more. And, and you know, with with what I do and what this show is, even just the title of what your guys' project is, Hunt Lifty, like I'm drawn in immediately, right? Like that's exactly the the realm of of life I love to be in and training and eating well and being outdoors and hunting and stuff. So I want to kind of just start there and how this this sort of little brainchild of yours kind of became what it is and and what wanted and why you wanted to go out and create something like this yeah i wish there was like some grand plan i always joke that i just forced gump my way into all this like it just kind of <laughs> bumble fucking around and uh but you know what it really started with is rolling it back i've got a really good buddy uh, eric bartell we were the platoon leaders together in the 101st he's really big in the, the fitness space Mm-hmm. And uh, he's one of the founders of Echelon Energy Drinks pre-workout. And uh, But before he did any of this, he started with Instagram and just building this. And I was the guy that had like 70-some followers. Like it was like my aunts and shit, you know, like yep. did not do anything with social media. 
And I saw like the lever that it could be because he was getting out of the army and turned it into a job. And about this time, I was deciding that the army wasn't going to be my career. I, I joke, I've been getting out of the army for 11 years now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as I watched him leverage this, I was like, man, there's something here. And so it, it really just started like a lot of guys that I think are getting into it is like, I just want to get some discounts on some gear and maybe some pre-workout or yeah. uh, hunting gear, especially. And, you know, I built it around my passions, which you know, the, the name is really just because I'm stupid. And like the, the three things that I do in life are hunt, lift and eat. And that yeah. was just kind of how it was born. Yeah. And I did that for a couple of years. I grew a decent following on my personal page that I don't really do a lot with anymore. And, and then I decided like, man, I'm working really hard for these other brands and I'm not getting a lot out of it. You know, there yeah. was no, it was very transactional. Like here's a discount code. Here's some product. Here's this, here's that. Here's an affiliate link. I was like, man, I think I could do something with this. I, I always had an interest in business had a couple little side hustles just coming coming up since I was a, a kid actually and uh I'm a terrible student so I dropped out of an MBA program when I was in Afghanistan I got this syllabus and got anxiety and was like nope not going back to college barely graduated the first time and uh and yeah and I bought a sewing machine it was an embroidery machine made some patches sewed them on some hats grabbed my buddies threw everybody a hat we were at deer camp doing some work uh, for the following season took a bunch of pictures posted them and like sold like two hats to randos and I was like oh man this I could sell these. And then I started yeah. a website, had no idea what I was doing. Just YouTube and Google, man, you can do a lot, you know, I'm, as I'm sure you, you know, Yeah. and it's just evolved from there. And I've just been super lucky and blessed to have a badass group of guys um, that I've, you know, some of which have been my core group forever. And then some mm -hmm. of which I've met through this company and the platform. And, you know, one of them, like Carter McKenzie, he's the co-host of the podcast. He's like my, he's our overall team leader. And like, He's like my, my right hand. I'd be lost without him. And that dude is just a stud. And I met him through Instagram. You know, Caroline jokes that I yeah. like meet all these dudes through the, on the internet. And then, uh, dude, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's wild. It's the wildest thing how it happens like that. I mean, that's yeah, you, one of the biggest, you know, I would say one of my one of my really good friends from these last few years, Brandon Lilly. You know, we met just like chatting over DMs on some random video that one of us posted. I don't even remember how it started, like three or something years ago. And, you know, and, and then it's blossomed into a friendship that's done a bunch of other things since then but like it's just the craziness of i live on one side of the country you know and he lives in the woods of kentucky on the other side of the country on the other side of the country and then like we can connect and do things together and it's kind of it's for all the for all the junk that social media is and there's a lot of it that is junk and there's actually some really cool really cool things about it and that's i think one of the coolest ones 100 percent. and you know it, i was talking to one of my buddies about this uh that i know just through the through the army and he was just going on and ranting and raving about how bad social media was and it was all this stuff and i was like man like social media is no different than a hammer you know if you <laughs> bash somebody in the head with it it's pretty bad but if you use it to put a you know a roof on your house like it's, it's not a bad thing it's a tool and yeah. it's, it's the intention and then how you use it and how you leverage it and learning it. And, you know, I, I say a lot, like, you know, we're just, just playing a giant game. Social media is definitely a game. You just have to learn what you're doing. The reason that we've been moderately successful is that, like, before I do something, I just study. Like, I watch yeah. all the accounts that are better than me. I watch, and I still do that. Like, I learn from all the big players. Like, we're still a small fish in a, in a big yeah. pond as we could go through. And, like, I just I was just talking to my media guy, and I was like, hey, man, like, we need to be studying these five accounts that have multi-million mm -hmm. followers. Like, what are they doing? And guys want to jump into something, and they don't, they don't do that preparation on the front end. And that's 
that's an issue. And like, you, you can get by by just like, you know, hoping a prayer and winging it. And sometimes that matters is, you know, and it's important is to just go forward and make a decision and do it. But you also need to be mindful of what you're doing and know the platform you're using and leverage it. Cause like, God, it's, it's a force multiplier. You can do so much with it. There's it, man. I just saw, I think it was just the other yesterday or two days ago, there was this video that was circling around on, on Twitter. And it was just this random guy that was, I think he had, I, I didn't recognize the kid that was doing the interview. So he must be some like TikTok guy. Cause I don't do TikTok, So there's a lot of them I don't recognize. Um, but he was interviewing some guy that by any other, like just walking by, you'd have no idea who he was, right? Like he's just wearing like kind of track sweatpants and just like a button down shirt, like just real normal looking. And he starts asking him like his questions about his portfolio, right? Cause the kid knew who he was and the dude's worth like $420 million. And he's, he's just asking like, you know, what is, how did you, what would you say to somebody who's like getting into this? And he's like, it's all about how you present your message mm-hmm. and how you use the platforms or whatever that it is. He's like, doesn't matter what it is. Like, doesn't matter the product, doesn't matter the service. He's like, I could, I could take the junkiest thing right now in the world and make a million dollars selling it. Cause I know how to sell stuff. And it's like the, the, power of these actual apps and platforms is crazy for that. And that's what I think is so cool about like the opportunity that they present is there really isn't like a limit on, on what's possible when you're thinking of online business. It's just, you got to really focus like you were saying and see who's doing the really good stuff. And like, what lessons can I learn from these guys? You know, a hundred percent. Yeah. And like paying attention to like those trends and, and what's going on and then really like I study other industries, like the hunting industry, it's yeah. actually a competitive or comparative advantage for us is the hunting industry with social media is on in slow-mo. Like they're five years behind. There's a couple of like the really big brands that are really moving forward. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think that they probably brought in outside talent from other industries. And like, I talked to so many small companies and I'm like, Hey, like you should, you should probably do something. Like, you know, I was just on a podcast on, on ours with, uh, an awesome guy. He owns the uh, Coags, which is the Colorado. Oh, I'm gonna mess it up. It's the hunting guide school, which I'm, I want to okay. do a couple of his. And he's just an old rancher hunting guide. Like, mm-hmm. and they, they don't even have an Instagram. I'm like, brother, like <laughs> you need an Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, you you have a gold mine of content. Every time you do a class, all you have to do is have a student give them a 20 percent discount, and tell them to film everything, and like just yeah, you know, you could do you, you can do that and leverage it and and just having that understanding. And I so I study you know fitness is ahead of the curve on all that. It's super right. saturated, but like a lot of these fitness accounts you can and you can watch the ones that are on the come up and they blow up like that nick, nick sully dude i'm sure you've yep. seen him yep. i mean dude he was nothing as far as like what he was doing less than a year ago and now right. he's like one of the larger accounts and you just yep. you just he's consistent 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 it helps also when you have a body of a greek god right you know <laughs> right. that that helps especially too, on but, instagram yeah for real that's what does it <laughs> yeah and but like you know just watching those and then learning how to tailor it to your own message you know mm. Because I think the audiences know when you're not being authentic too. You can fake it for a little while, but eventually it becomes hollow. And then you know followers don't equal conversions. And so knowing how to build yeah. the right audience and just studying that stuff, I think is is huge. Because like, dude, 20 years ago, you couldn't start a hunting company the way I, like uh, in the space yeah. the way I had. Like the model was, you had to go spend a ton of money to get on like outdoor TV, you know, yeah. and do one of these. And then you know the really cheesy like early 2000s late 90s where they're they're on their b-roll and it's like i'm using my stalker da, 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 whatever you know like <laughs> right. those stupid plugs and <laughs> yeah you couldn't do this like the power yeah. is now down to the individual if you know how to 
or if you'll study and learn how to uh, to leverage it. I think I love it. I think it's so cool because we could never do this decentralized like we have. What do you think it is about the hunting industry that makes it to where it's it's like what you said five years behind where everything else is? I think a lot of guys get into it because it's their passion and mm-hmm. either one they think they'll be able to hunt more which is honestly the opposite i i, I hunt lift <laughs> i think the only I thing you I, post something about that yeah. like not too long ago yeah. ever since you got in the hunting industry you actually hunt less yeah for real and uh <laughs> i'm starting to fix that but yeah hunting less and then like i'd lift less even like i'm so busy and that's that's yeah. a big thing i've got to fix uh and it's, it's on my i've been really trying to be mindful of like making the time and not making those excuses and yeah. but but I think it is, is a lot of guys get into it because they think it's going to be uh, the answer to just, oh, I can hunt more or I can do this. I'm going to chase this. They don't, they study. It's kind of like when you have a plumber that's really good at plumbing, but he's horrible on the business side. The yeah. same thing happens in the hunting industry. And then just the type of person that is a lot of times into the outdoors. One of it's, some of them are older generations, so they don't understand sure. technology. And then a lot of the younger ones, like there's so many, even my guys that are like, I fucking hate technology. And I'm like, dude, like it doesn't yeah. matter. Like the, we have to learn it. Right. You know, it's like people are resisting AI right now and it's like, stop, like learn it now. Like I, I regret not being an early adopter of TikTok because Mm -hmm. the attention and the virality is, was so big. Now it's slowing down and it's turning more into like Instagram where it's harder to do it. That's why I jumped on threads immediately because it's like, you're you're just resisting the way it's going. And if you want to, you can, you're not going to win. You can't fight it. So you might as well leverage it and then tell your story within that platform. And, And a lot of, folks just don't understand that or they don't look at it that way they look at it from the perspective of i just want to hunt more or i'm just going to sell this or sell that and i'll go to trade shows and i'll do this and they don't think about the you know the the way that this will just multiply their because you know when you're going you're only selling at trade shows it's just your time but when you can have this selling for you all the time or just growing your story it's huge one of the things I wanted to ask you about was because, you know, you mentioned the, you know, what, what generally is in the hunting industry, like with the ambassador light, like model, right. Is essentially kind of just like what the supplement ambassador model is in the fitness realm. You know, it's just like sign up and fill out this little real quick form and you'll just get a link for 15% off and put it in your bio and doesn't mean anything. And like, doesn't really do much for anybody, you know? Um, but then the way that you guys do it, because uh, you, you've, you've been posting about it in the last couple of months, like you guys tend to do it a lot differently. And I think it's probably because of like what you said, where this model that it was before doesn't isn't really appealing or isn't actually working as well as it should. So where did you guys see that and then take it to how build it out, how you guys do it now? Yes, yeah, so I was a brand rep for because a couple of years, it was probably anywhere eight, 10, 12 different companies in different capacities, right? Some of them were just like the code. Some of them were a bunch of free gear. Some of them were affiliates. I never got like directly paid for posts or anything like that. But, and I just, I didn't feel like I was part of the company. I didn't, wasn't included in like, you know, there was just no buy-in on my end. And it's like, you got to get me to buy in to, to, for me to like take time out of what I'm doing. And I also didn't like that. I was starting to make decisions in my hunting based off the content versus just letting the content happen. Um, you know, I was using products I probably wouldn't have used otherwise. Then I just was, I I started falling into that trap and I was like, man, I don't want to do this. So when I started hunt lift eat, I actually wasn't going to do any sort of ambassador program whatsoever. Yeah. And we had what was called the team. And that was like our like pro staff, I guess, but it was all my guys, like the dudes that I, my, my cousins, Perry and Evan, who have been with me from the beginning of this company, like we, the, we're basically brothers. 
uh, Andrew and John, these guys are studs in the army, uh, and been with me since, you know, I was a young Lieutenant and like, we just were super close. We went to hunt camp together and we built this out and that was how it started. And then I added some more folks to the team, more folks to the team that was in Carter came on and, you know, some other guys. And, and then I started having people asking like, how hey, can I, can I be a brand rep? Can I be a brand rep? And I was like, no, no, not doing ambassadors, mm-hmm. not doing it. And finally I was talking with Carter and he was like, we need to do something. We need to bring these guys in. They want to be a part of it. And I was like, well, you know, and I've been on the, the first organization I actually joined was the, the Serviceide field staff. And Serviceide is just basically builds a community. You pay 25 bucks a month, you get brand discounts. And then it's evolved since then. Sure. I've actually uh, have become pretty good buddies with Justin Edwards over there, which is funny. It's kind of come full circle. It's like where I started. Now we're partnering <laughs> yeah. up on some stuff, which is cool. But And I was like, you know, this model actually makes some sense because one, I think you, sometimes you need to pay to pay attention. Yep. And then it helps a young company, especially in the apparel industry, because people don't understand how much, like you're ordering a mass bulk, like we have so much capital tied up in inventory and it just slows us down. Yep. And so if you can, you know, we try, we say we make it like the cost of a case of beer a month, right? Like we're all, we'll all go to the bar and drop $50. We'll all go to the, uh, to the gas station and spend 20, 25, 30 bucks on a case of beer. So let's yeah. keep it at that price. So 25 bucks a month. And then we did interviews and we started, we brought, we thought we were going to get 25, 30 people that applied. And the first day we had 115 and we were like, <laughs> fuck. And so it's just me, uh, Derek Bosley of Stand yeah. Two Blade Company. I want to shout him out a little bit. That dude's a badass, former Ranger Regiment medic, makes knives, and he's been a core guy as well. And it was me, him, and Carter on 115 interviews. And, <laughs> oh, oh, and we were doing them one-on-one. And it was a, <laughs> it was awesome because we just, yeah. and like, we were like, okay, we're going to bring on out of this hundred, we'll bring on 20 or whatever. Yeah. But we kept talking to guys and we were like, holy cow, these dudes are all awesome and yeah. gals. And we had some, some ladies that came on on that first run too. And I was like, why are we limiting this? Like, why did we put a cap on it? If they're good people, let's just bring yeah. them in. And that's just kind of how it started. And we've evolved a lot since then. We just had our third run. We've got over 250 members now and, you know, a lot of growing pains. And we, we've, we really try to make sure that we're pouring back into our members. So we do monthly seminars. We bring on an expert uh, in a certain uh, you know field that has to do with hunting, lifting, you know, fitness, but also yeah. just mindset. Like I'm a really big proponent for just a holistic approach. Like if you want to hunt more, your finances better be square because hunting's not cheap, right? Yep. And you want to go out and you want to do this. You know, you want to hunt more. Like you better be putting in the work. You know, as a husband and a father, so then you're not having the hunting doesn't become the friction point, right? Like my wife yeah. never gets mad at me at hunting for hunting because I'm very mindful of the time when I'm not. And then it's that right. transactional bank account. Like I need to make sure I'm always depositing into my family and you know, not just working and hunting. Like, and if you, you have that holistic approach, like now you have more opportunities to do the things you love. And that's what we're, we're really about. And it's still, we're still learning. You know, we've only been had the team for a year and a half and nine months of that, I was overseas in Europe trying to do everything on a reverse time <laughs> schedule. And, right. uh, but you know, it's, it's been really cool and it's been humbling. The, the more it grows and the caliber of person that we have that comes out and joins this team. And it's now it's, a, it's a nationwide network. You know, we do in-person events, we go, uh, we just did a rendezvous at my family farm in Virginia. We had like 30 ish guys come from around the country and it was an awesome weekend. Just like just crazy yeah. where you can take 30 people who don't know each other from across the country, a couple kegs, we got a river, throw everybody together and there's not any problems. You'd think everybody had been best friends for a decade. <laughs> right. You know, it was cool, man. That's awesome. And it makes it, it, it it's refreshing to, to get that model as an idea because I think there are a lot of similarities between what the hunting industry seems like it is 
currently and what it's kind of becoming and the fitness industry from kind of this influencer forward approach to a lot of stuff. And so that by nature attracts people that are just looking for the social media clout aspect of it or like the discounts on the stuff or whatever, rather than like you said, buying into an actual organization or company and being a part of something. It's just like how many different discount codes can I get and then give to my tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people. And then I end up getting, you know, cause I have so many followers I get, you know, if it's two bucks, I'm making a good, a good chunk of change. And that's, that's totally what fitness is and it sucks, but it kind of seems like just in these last couple of years, that's where the, where the hunting world kind of is going. Are you seeing it kind of doing that same thing? Yeah, I am uh, completely. And there's a lot of, I mean, it's everywhere, but we just hit the expo circuit this year. And so we went to a yeah. few when we had our booth and then we went to um, my guy Garrett. Uh, he's my our only full-time guy right now. And we went and traveled around to a bunch of other shows that we want to start getting into just as kind of a little, you know, recon and, and figure mm-hmm. out our setup and all that. And like, we met some cool people, a lot of really, really cool people. But we also met some of these guys that are like the bigger names and you're like – all right, dude, like you're not, you're not Tom Cruise. Like, right. <laughs> like you, you know, you put your, your pants on one leg at a time, just like me. Like I, I get it. Like you, I, you know, and it's that balance of like, I respect these guys that have come ahead yeah. and like done really good stuff, but it's also like, you're not a fucking real celebrity, dude. If you walked outside right. of, outside of here and you're just on the street, like nobody would <laughs> outside know of these are. doors. Yeah, like, exactly. Like the hunting yeah. world knows who you are, which is like yeah. probably the smallest demographic. Like, <laughs> and I, I don't know, like I just try to, that's why I try to surround myself with guys that are like ruthless. Like we are just so hard on each other. It's just if I, oh my, I told uh, both of my, my Carter and uh, Garrett, and I was like, if I ever start acting like a dickhead like this, like you guys better tear me down immediately. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. just like kind of too, too cool for school or whatever. Right. And so that's the bigger names. And then a lot of the guys on the come up try to do the same thing and we get it all the time where guys that oh they they don't read one they don't read nobody reads anymore right i have a full description of everything that the team is and outline it and and guys don't read and they think that they're going to get free swag free t-shirts they're going to be sponsored so that's not how this works there's like the guys that are sponsored is like cam (laughs) you know like and like really high like donnie vincent yeah aaron snyder if he wants a brand deal he can get them but like you got to be a high end and you got to be a killer he makes his own stuff anyway exactly it's like (laughs) exactly (laughs) you got to be a killer out there and and really do this. And most of these guys, it's like, you're not going to do this just because you've killed a couple big bucks. Like, that's not how it works. Like brands aren't going to pay you for that. You might get an affiliate, you might do this. And if that's the way you want to come up, that's fine. But there's just a lot of ego wrapped around it. And I think guys just need to define what their purpose and their mission and their overall thing is. And it's not just having a bunch of followers and it's not just having, you know, a brand deal. Cause like once you sign that contract, like that brand owns you. Like I was just listening to cams uh, podcast when he was on with Kip Volks, the founder of Under Armour, and, and they were yep. talking about it. Cam was saying how like he felt like Under Armour owned him, and like it was almost like a we're going to sign you, so nobody else can sign you, and we'll just yeah. control you. And so that's just something that's like kind of the the yang to the yin of the the industry that folks want to get into. And not building your own thing is not for everybody. Trust me, it's right terrible at times. You know, you have the moments of panic where you're like, what are we doing? Like. I want to sell this house. <laughs> you <know>? uh, <laughs> Seriously. You know, and, and, but it's latching on with a company that you can buy into and you can believe in. And there's a lot of great ones out there. I think it's really yeah. important and, and not just chasing followers or dollars or any of that. Yeah. Cause that'll come if you do it the right way. Right. And, and I think that tends to, because it's the, as difficult as it is to build a brand and build a following, like it's much easier 
to do it with these platforms than it's ever been before. And so I think people see that's like, well, who's this random like 21 year old kid that's got, I don't know, hundred something thousand followers and had, gets all free bows and all this kind of stuff every year. It's like, why, I, why can't I do that? And then you, it's like you, there's the, the attempt to get the immediacy of it. And that kind of, kind of deflates a lot in the actual relationship building that goes on in these networks and in this in, in the industry in general. I mean, again, the same thing, the same exact thing happens in fitness and it's just driven by like, instead of driven by the bows and camo, it's supplements. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it's all, it's all the same thing. Yeah. Everybody just wants the free shit and yeah. <laughs> and everybody like approaches it from the standpoint of what's the company going to give me? Like if I could, if you right. want to, if you want to succeed with a company, like, you need to focus on what you're going to give them and don't go to a company and ask them, Hey, what, what do you need? Cause now mm-hmm. the, whoever you're talking to has to now decide and think and then do something else. You need yeah. to look and be like, man, they could be better at, at this that I do well. Like maybe their video content isn't as good. Grab a bunch of their videos, re-edit them, make them great, mm-hmm. send them to them and be like, Hey, this is, I'll, I'll do this for free for three months. We'll see if this works out. Yeah. That's how you go you want to really break into the industry or you yeah. go start at the very bottom rung and then you work your way up. Like that's, yeah. you know, just being, we had a guy did the team. He had just graduated college and he was like one entrepreneur of the year or something uh, <laughs> in college for his like okay. junior or senior project or whatever for his undergrad. Yeah. And just thought that he deserved a job immediately because of that and mm-hmm. wanted me to like pay him. And like he joined the team clearly didn't read through everything and then like messages like, so when am I getting paid? And I was like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> like, You're not going to get paid. You haven't done anything. Like, I don't give a <laughs> shit where you went to college, like with an undergrad, you know, maybe right. if you went to a, a T20 school with an MBA and came out and was like, yeah, now you've earned something like, dude, I have right. an undergrad. And I didn't do anything. Like, it doesn't mean right. a lick to me. Like, what are you <laughs> yeah, talking seriously. about? You know, you don't, you're not owed anything right now. And so yeah. it's putting in that work. And then also like the time horizons, everybody thinks if they do, they see the immediacy, like you were just saying of boom, one video goes viral and a guy yep. blows up one. How sustainable is that? Right? Like that guy, he, now he's playing catch up because now he's got to yeah. continue to do the content versus if you're slow and steady and then just look at this as a decade long, two decade long game that, you know, you're going to do this. You can't fail if you do something for 20 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like as long as you're yeah. not like a complete and total idiot, like, yeah, uh, Chris Williamson from the Modern Wisdom podcast. He's the British guy that's always all over the place on TikTok mm-hmm. and stuff. And he was talking about these numbers, and I'll, I'll butcher them. But for like, if you just make past, I think it was like twenty episodes on the podcast, you're in like the top one percent of podcasts ever. Yeah, yeah. And I think it might even be less than. Well, maybe it was a while ago, but even before that, I think it was less than that. Because I remember, I remember when um, I was. Well, it was before the first. My, it was before this first one even dropped and I was lining up guests like because I was just going to try to bang out like I'm going to get as many recorded as I can so I know I've got at least you know 10 or 12 episodes at least to start right until you get in like to a rhythm and I reached out just in the like the random off chance that he would say yes and he ended up saying yes to Jack Carr and uh got and he said yeah no problem like connect me with his you know his you know his not his assistant but like his published his publicist right and so he tells me, he's like, has, has the podcast started yet? And I'm like, no, this is be like, Jack will be episode like 12. And he goes, well, let's wait a couple of months after that to schedule it. Because 
he's, I can't remember. He's like, I can't tell you how many people's podcasts are gone by episode 10. Mm-hmm. And he goes, and I don't want, he's like, and I don't want Jack to show up on episode nine or be scheduled for episode 11 and you're done in episode 10 and it was kind of a waste of everybody's time. And I'm like, that's actually pretty smart. I get that. So we scheduled him out a couple months later and then it ended up working out great. He's been on a couple times since, but it was like, yeah, you really do just, it's in the podcast world. It's crazy. It was like, yeah, right around 20 or something like that. It's nobody goes that far. And it's just the consistency of having to do something that, that consistently is like, that'll weed out a lot of people on its own. Even if it's not, even if they're not good, like, like you said, if you just do it for a long time, you'll be good at it because everybody else quits. Completely. And that's another thing that Chris Williamson says that I, that I love is, uh, oh Jesus, I just, I just lost it. It'll come back to me, but just, <laughs> yeah. you know, you threw the Hail Mary up at, at Jack Carr and, mm-hmm. and I love that because we did the same thing and like we had guys that said yes and I was like, I panicked. I was like, oh my yeah. gosh, I'm not ready <laughs> oh, no, to talk to this guy. I have to do it. Yeah, you know, and. <laughs> I was like, oh man, um, but you know, like you got to shoot that shot and, and making the decision and committing and then just going and like one, I, you know, I talked earlier about being prepared and I do think you need to prep and prepare, but also guys get into analysis paralysis. Like I've got guys yeah. that I talk to fairly regularly that they all have these plans and these big dreams and like, it's just, they're waiting for that right time. And it's like, man, just do it. You know, it took me, yeah. I think a year when I decided to do HLE or like play with it to like actually launch the website. Yeah. But then when we decided that we were going to do a podcast, like three weeks later, we recorded our first episode. Nice. And it's because, you know, you get to shorten those decision points. Now, when we go to do something and I decide that we're going to do it, it's like, okay, how do we do it as quickly as possible while still yeah. being measured and steady? And then, you know, reaching out to big, big guests. And that's where Derek was great because Derek doesn't give a shit, man. He's like messaging like everybody <laughs> right. and just like trying to get them on the podcast. I'm like, dude, calm down. Like, we need to get better at this. He's like, ah, we'll, we'll get better by doing it. And then he was exactly. right. You know, like we had Jack Donovan, the author of The Way of Men yeah. on. And like I was yeah. fangirling like crazy. When you listen to that one, <laughs> I'm like talking, when I get nervous, I just, I super talk fast. And so I like, I listened back to it and I was like, that's bad. I settled in after a minute, but it was, it was funny. You know, Marty Scovelin, he's the editor of Coffee or Die. We've had some cool guests on that we just weren't expecting. And some of it too is I, uh, for sure, man, I guessed a bunch of guys' emails. No way. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going (laughs) to, I don't want to get out the cheat code, but you can, there's a pattern how everybody does, you know, emails, right? And so like, we just did that on a bunch of names and blasted out and we got like four or five pretty big names that way. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. The that whole approach is something that I like. I had a, a business coach a while back that basically taught this same mindset of just start and then correct as you go along. Right? Like, there's no point in waiting to get. And he always used to say, "Ready, fire, aim." And Dude, like, Derek that says was, that same shit. <laughs> He's like, that's the hunt, um, lift, hunt, exactly. hunt, lift, eat way. I love it. And that's, it makes perfect sense. Cause it's like, so for the same exact reason you're talking about, like you, you said, we decided we want to do a podcast. First one was recorded three weeks later. And it's like, how many times does And I know for myself, I mean, I've told this story before, but I had a couple of people that I waited a couple of months too long, uh, to start. And one of them was a, a friend who ended up passing away before I got a chance to record with him, you know? And it was like, there's stuff like that where it's like that, that, one incident alone made me tell myself like I'm never waiting when something comes up that I can act on right now again like because I have you have no no idea what can happen or what you will miss out on by waiting you know and so it's and it's funny when you when you talk about like reaching out to these big guys because the minute I got Jack 
the first time, like in my head instantly. I'm like, okay, now I got Jack. Now I'm only one move away from Chris Pratt. And now I'm only two, like from Chris Pratt, I'm only kind of a move and a half away from Arnold because he's his son-in-law. <laughs> like, like eventually we'll, like eventually we'll get the guy. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Like when you start thinking, I could, I could pull it off, right? <laughs> That's so. I am one degree of separation from Rogan in like five different ways, you know. <laughs> and I just got asked to come onto a podcast that I, I won't go into now, just in case it doesn't work out. But like, yeah, it's one of those like fangirl, like you're like, whoa, That's really? Dope. Uh, and I woke up to that uh, message this morning, which is awesome. And so like, you know, that's how it goes though. You know, you, you start, you just head down making moves, trying to just continuously, like people are going to notice that like in, especially the guys that you want to notice that anyways, like it's that, you know, old edge, like game recognizes game or whatever. It's kind of silly, but like, it's real. Like, you know, the guys that are trying to do it the right way and going through and versus the dudes that are chasing everything. And, you know, and, and that's where too, you got to be deliberate when you do reach out to folks is not being a fangirl and not like trying to be something you're not just approach it like you would anybody else and those the higher level guys are going to respect that they're going to they're going to see and they know that somebody helped them and somebody when they were coming up was the one that pulled them up and so the, the, yeah. most of those guys are gracious enough to go down to a podcast that hasn't started yet or only has mm-hmm. you know a few you know 100 listens total or a few hundred listens mm-hmm. per episode versus the thousands like a lot of those guys will do it and it's just you know being comported and and, and going after it but I did remember what, what Chris Williamson said. It just came back to me was, and I, and I love this. And it's, it's back to this is like, we don't want to start right. Cause we think we're going to suck. Like we used to have to get like drunk before the podcast. Cause we were so nervous, <laughs> you know, like we just Let's hated re- everybody up a bit. Yeah. We used to like hate, hate it. Like all of us when we get on, cause it started, it was just the, the our group talking. We didn't bring on any guests or probably the first yeah. 20, 40 episodes. Yeah. But like Chris Williamson, he's like, it doesn't matter if you suck. Cause your audience is small. Like it's good when you suck when you're small. Cause like 12 people are going to know you suck. He's yep. like, learn now. So then if, you know, 10,000 people listen, now you don't suck. Yeah. And that's back to what I said earlier about if, if you have that one video that spikes and goes viral and you haven't been prepping this whole time, now you now 10,000 people know you suck outside of that one video. <laughs> right. You can, never re, you can never repeat it. <laughs> exactly. And so if you can start now for whatever you want to do and just, you know, it's it's all compounding, the skills, the ability. And it's just like, you know, throwing money in the S&P 500. Like, it, it becomes mm-hmm. nothing. Like, it's 500 bucks a month is nothing to nothing until it's something. And then it starts really taking off. And that's how this game is played. And so I don't look at it anymore. And I used to have all these – I used to chase the numbers, like, on the podcast. That, oh, man, we're down 3%. Like, who cares? Like, we're just going to yeah. keep doing what we're doing, yep. learning, getting better, producing a better product, a more valuable product, synchronizing what we're doing, and improving. And then that eventually it's going to it's gonna go because everybody else is going to quit except for the guys that are the big players anyways. You'll just outlast yep. them. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to shift gears <clears throat> and talk some training stuff for a little bit because – uh, that's one of the three, <laughs> three words in the name, right? Oh yeah. Uh, is the lifting and the training part. And you guys do, uh, you have training programs and stuff like that that are available. So I want to know from, you know, your, tra- your training life, you obviously were doing a lot to stay in shape because of hunting and because of, you know, military career and things like that. So where did the, the love of training and that part of it come in for you? Was that something you've done, uh, you know, since you were a teenager, young and, and got into it? Or did you, you know, where did that all come from for you? Yeah, I've always been into training and fitness. I played football my whole life, got into rugby in high school. I wrestled a little bit when I was younger. Uh, 
regrettably quit to chase football and I'm five seven, so I should have kept wrestling. I could have probably <laughs> been a really good wrestler and was not gonna go anywhere for football. But um always had a, a love for fitness, was very not not consistent. I was always naturally strong, which I think was actually a not good for me because yeah. I could just show up in the weight room and kind of half ass it and still be stronger than a lot of my peers. I grew really fast. So I was huge until like eighth grade. And then I stopped growing and everybody else kept. And dude, me and you are two peas right now. Everything you're saying yeah. is like what I exactly lived through. <laughs> dude, I've, I've learned so many bad habits in my life because I had like just enough natural ability in certain things to just skate by. And like, I've had yep. to redo all that and, and training's one of them. And I still struggle yeah. with consistency. I get busy. I, you know, like everybody does. And so I don't want to come at it this from like the standpoint of a high horse because I'm, I'm as bad as anybody probably worse. But I, you know, I've always loved it, and I've always yeah. been at least it's been a part of my life. Yeah. And I and got into college. I was in the Corps of Cadets, which is kind of the military program at Virginia Tech. It's a senior military college within a civilian campus, and so the big focus for the army, especially back then, was body weight. You know, the, yeah. the APFT was push up, sit ups, and a two mile run. Yep. And then a lot of rucking. And so I cut a ton of weight. Like my freshman year, I went down to 159, which is crazy for me. Like, you know, I, when I showed up, I was close to 200. Um, and so I, I cut a ton of weight, a lot of it fat, a lot of it muscle. But, you know, and I just continued. I kept training. I was really training after kind of trying to what I thought the Army needed me to be. And kind of carried that on uh into the infantry and all that. And then I was in Afghanistan and I, it was kind of when I decided I was going to get out of the army. So I was like, screw this. I don't care about running anymore. I'm just going to get big. And we didn't have to run that much in Afghanistan. So I, now I was working. So my second appointment and I was on a talk shift, uh, which means I was a battle captain. So I kind of, we had our own battle space. And so I like managed the assets on uh, the control center. You know, we had, you know, ISR, which is like the drones. And then mm -hmm. if we were doing strikes, like targeting that sort of thing. And it was, consistent and then I worked 12 hours on 12 hours off and so I built a gym I couldn't leave the, the vicinity I was always on a leash so I went and stole equipment from around the base and me and some buddies we built a gym by the talk and then I, my biggest regret is I have no pictures or videos of that gym and like dude it was all it was like the most prison gym there's you know Constantino wire everywhere and like we just started like getting after it and I didn't really know I never really knew training yeah. Um, programming, I guess. And so I studied, sure. um, you know, Paul Carter, Jim Windler, Beyond 531. We just like kept recycling that. And like I started getting pretty strong. You know, I was deadlifting yeah. close to six, squatting over five. Like I was just crushing. And like, but this was through nine months of just getting after it. And that was really when the love of the, the strength training really took hold. Yeah. And, you know, it's just kind of been something. And, and when you build that base, you can, it's a lot easier to maintain it. So now I cannot live for six months and still be pretty strong, which is a blessing and a curse. Cause yeah. you know, and I, I kind of fall back on that too much. I need to make sure I'm training intelligently and attacking all of our energy systems. And that really kind of runs us into hunt, lift, eat is i you know, I realized what I did kind of mid career was I was like, well, I'm stronger than everybody else. I don't have to be good at this or good at that. Cause I, you know, I'm mm -hmm. the best at, at the strength or I'm, I'm top, whatever. And that's just a bad trap to fall into because you, you need to be well-rounded just for general longevity, for going into the backcountry as a hunter, going to the mountains, just carrying your kids around, you know, like yep. just all this stuff. And so that's really what our focus is for our training. It's slanted towards kind of hunter military type prep, but we have, I think it's very well-rounded programming because there's a lot of guys out there that are doing some really good stuff and we have a lot of influences and we've taken a little bit of everything, but like we mm -hmm. really try to tailor it to 
you know, hitting all three energy systems and, and attacking a real foundational strength base. Cause I think like in a lot of the endurance training, the foundational strength falls off and you don't do that yep. just like absolute strength to build. And what I, yep. what I found was when I went back from, so I used to, when I would be rocking, my shoulders would hurt lower back, like all this would hurt. Well, then when I got really strong and now when I rolled back into my rocking and my running, my shoulders don't hurt when I rock anymore. My back doesn't yeah. hurt. Like I've built, you know, I think muscle is armor. And so when you build that chassis and now we go and now we start working on the endurance side of things and rucking or, you know, putting a pack on and going up a mountain. Now the pain's a lot less. I have muscles around my ligaments and my tendons that are then protecting me. And so that's kind of our overall, mm -hmm. you know, macro level yeah. idea for how we build our programs. Do you, do you write a lot of the programming yourself? Do you guys have a few guys that do it kind of together as a group? I actually have done none of our programming. Okay. I direct it. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, uh, Peter Sunderland. He's actually had to take a step back from uh, HLE a little bit because he's, uh, he's going to Wharton, uh, which is the number one MBA program for investment banking. That guy's going to make 10 times what I make um, when he graduates. <laughs> so it's hard to keep him, keep him engaged right. on, on the idea of building programs. But uh, right. he does still help me out a lot, though, in, in, in guidance. And eventually I will build our programs. I'm, you know, I don't think – you know, I have kind of the bro knowledge of what I've done for my own programming and I'll help friends out. And eventually I'll, I'll probably get into building some of it and I've built, I build my own, but you know, Pete went got his certifications, has like the credentials behind it. I really wanted that, you know, and I, I don't, I want guys that have that, uh, you know, have the expertise because they've had the formal training and it's kind of just something to, to sure. sit back on. And he, man, he ended up failing, but I, it's so badass. He, uh, his goal, he was trying to do a 1500 pound powerlifting total, and run a sub three hour marathon in the same week. Oof. And he tra he failed at it three times, but like, dude, he was still hitting like low 14s and running, Holy you know, cow. Thir three hour and fifth. Like, the dude is just a monster. And so he's still running the marathon and doing these, chasing these powerlifting totals. And it's like, gosh, it's crazy. So those, those guys that do the, the ultra endurance stuff is just like, I have such a fascination with it and I have a buddy his name is uh his name is Jimmy Peratt and he and he has a Instagram page it's actually kind of big now it's called Wild Hunt Conditioning and uh he did in the same day he did a 500 pound deadlift and then a 50 mile trail run on the same day and then actually I think he's starting today he was either today or yesterday he's running a 500 mile trail run from california to washington oh my gosh <laughs> like just trails the whole way so no no paved roads nothing it's trails the entire way and he like does this just unbelievable endurance stuff and it's like the craziest coolest thing to me not and i and i'm trying to wonder if it's because i know that i i, I don't i don't think i'd be able to ever do something like that and i think it's fascinating or Maybe I think I can and I want to try, you know, like I haven't decided where I fall on that yet. But the guys that do that endurance stuff is just so nuts to me. And then when you look at it from the the perspective of, of being in the backcountry and hunting, like I don't know that there's many more beneficial attributes. Like obviously general strength, like you mentioned, just for being able like to, for the armor perspective of protecting joints and being able to carry loads and stuff is up there one or number one or number two. But the second one is like, having crazy amounts of lung capacity, mm -hmm. you know, like you got it, the, that's the key to being able to be successful in the mountains is like, I got to just be able to do this longer and go back farther than anybody. You know, that's where all the big ones live is farther away than anybody wants to go. 
Yeah, or it's in the bottom of some hellhole canyon that nobody's going to go down <laughs> into because it's you know almost vertical. You know, you're 100 yep. percent right, and and that's why we're so big on hitting all three. So like you know yeah. you got your phosphagen system, which that's like your absolute strength, right? Your short duration, and I don't know how deep you kind of want to go into it. I'm no expert, but like yeah, do it, man. You know, with the energy conversions, and I think this is when I learned all this it really like helped me understand and like one this is a sorry one this is a continuum and so yeah. you know folks think about it like very like segmented and it's not like that but when you you start to understand your your systems and you know it, it should shape your training and we should hit all of them you can't yep. just be strong yep. you know like if, if you're only a power lifter and then you try like your heart rate jacks when you walk up the stairs like i've been there you know <laughs> like i live at yeah. six thousand feet right now like it, it and i'm well, I'm, I'm back with my family at 6,000 feet right now. I actually live at sea level in Louisiana. I'm a geo right. bachelor. And so like when I came home for the first two weeks, man, I was dying. Yep. I was like, man, I need to be trained different. And so, <laughs> but your, your phosphagen system is your short duration, right? That's your, you're picking up a deadlift. You're doing like three, three reps below. And then you're running off, um, the ATP that's in your system and ATP, just think of it like your energy. I don't want to get into the full breakdown mm -hmm. and I'm the wrong guy to do that. But if you just think about ATP, that's, what everything has been converted to to your final kind of bit of energy and then going from there you've got your glycolytic system and you've got short glycosis glycosis and and uh, fast glycosis or slow and fast excuse me and uh mm -hmm. but that's kind of more to that that intermediate and that's like your crossfit type style kind of work right as you're going through and now you're running off of um your the muscle glycogen and the glucose that's in your blood and that's converting into atp and then you're running off that and you can feel it right when you're doing uh, you're getting to some certain reps and like you can do those first three and then you hit the fourth or maybe it's the fifth, whatever. Everybody's a little bit different, but you can kind of feel a little bit of a shift. Yeah. And then you can you're feel like, it. Oh, too. this sucks now. Yeah. That's usually when it is. Exactly. <laughs> and then when you're shifting within the, the glycolytic system, you know, that's like when you get on the assault bike and like, Oh, you're just going. And then all of a sudden it's just like, Oh man, like now you're kicking in, you're either going, you're shifting within the glycolytic system or you're, if your glycolytic system isn't, built up now you're rolling into your oxidative system which is your long term and that's when you're you're burning you know that's the, the macronutrient burning that you're doing from uh you know and that's that's converting slower and so you need to hit yeah. all three because like a 10-day hunt is all oxidative across it the whole yeah. day is oxidative but when you've got to get up to the top of that point really quickly to get the shot all right now you're in your like glycolytic when you're picking up that 120 pound pack to put it on for the elk you know, now you're working your phosphagen system. And so having that balance is so key. And when I learned, you know, that difference and I started really attacking it, it also makes your workouts more efficient because when you're only training, you know, into that, uh, kind of slow glycosis and, um, uh, phosphagen, your workouts are really long, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know, you've got your strength and then your all this accessory work and some guys don't like our programming because our accessory work so minimal but what they don't realize is when you jump into your metabolic conditioning that's still accessory work you're still they're yeah. built very deliberately and this yeah. is like my issue and i've i did crossfit for a long time i've done powerlifting crossfit a little bit of strongman stuff and i've played with a bunch of different modalities my biggest issue with crossfit if the coaching isn't right the high level coaches do this the games athletes do this but the guys that you know your typical box or whatever that they're not doing it is making sure that it's all complementing each other with an actual program and it's, you know, training, right. not just exercise right. and having that deliberate goal in mind. And so, you know, that's what the approach we try to take is, is being very well-rounded and we've got seven different programs. They all have a different focus. And, uh, but yeah, within that, it's the general, you know, we, we put a lot sure. more emphasis on your strength, but then the, the programs are different. And so the way we will build that is 
Pete uses this great analogy that he stole from somewhere. But uh, <laughs> you take a – let's say you've got, like, big rocks, little rocks, and then sand. Yeah. You, you heard this one? Yeah, you know? I love that. Yeah, and this is this, – you can apply this to all aspects of your life, but it's really important with the, the training. And if you put the sand in, then the little rocks, the big rocks aren't going to fit. But then if you go big rocks first, little rocks, then sand, you can get it all in the jar. Programming is the same way. So whatever your goal or your focus is, you know, when you build out a 12-week program or an eight-week program, put whatever that focus is, build that in first. That's the primary. Now you go in, now you got your, some of your accessory work. Now you go in with the sand, and that's like whatever you're wanting, like some of your mobility, or maybe your mobility is so bad you need to put that in there. And like then you build it around that. And now you've built a framework for yourself to follow that's really goal oriented and that's to me the difference between like training and exercise i can go out and just get a random wad off the crossfit hq website and go out knock it out and sure i'm going to work some systems and i'm going to have some exercise or some uh endurance and especially anaerobic and i'll if i'm starting at a low level my strength's going to skyrocket and it's going to be awesome but then you're going to plateau like crazy because they don't have a good progressive overload for that when i was in uh i want to say i was in one of the gyms that i was in like early on when I started coaching and there was a, like one of the head, one of the head guys at the gym I was at had this analogy. Like there's a lot of things about those places that I didn't really like, but there was a few things that were really good. And one of the ones was one of the things that the guy told me where it made this shift in my head about exercise versus training. Right. And he goes, a lot of people come in and they just want to like feel crushed. And when they leave, they're like, oh, such a good workout. You know, like I feel I'm dead. I'm like dripping in sweat and writhing on the floor, right? And he goes, but they didn't get better, right? He's like, if you, if all you want's a good workout, it's like I'll put you in a room with a monkey and a baseball bat for 20 minutes <laughs> and you'll get a good workout in. But did you get better at anything in that 20 minutes, you know? And like that analogy, I'm like, that actually makes a ton of sense because I don't know. I mean, like same thing. If I just wanted to sweat – like I could just tell you to do burpees for 15 straight minutes. It'll suck and you'll be dead after, but that doesn't mean you got better at anything, you know? And so having that shift of training for focus or versus just like, I just need to go sweat. And sometimes that's like, that's not a bad thing either. Sometimes you just need to go out and like crush and, and be dead for a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, completely. And that's funny. That reminds me of, uh, I was doing uh, when I was in college, I had the opportunity, even though I was army track to do an air force special operations prep program. And one of the guys that came out for it was actually a civilian and he came out and we were doing like our initial interviews and the it's run by like cadets. And there's like one actual, you know, air force, uh, officer who's kind of heads up the whole thing. And he was a combat rescue officer, which is the officer version of PJs. And the guy was like, Oh, I've taken the, I don't remember what the name of their PT test is, but he's like, I've been taking it every day for a month or something to prep. And the, the crow, the combat rescue officer, looks at him and goes, he's like, I don't really like that technique, man. He's like, if I got to get kicked in the nuts, I'm not going to train by just getting kicked in the nuts. You know, it's, <laughs> I know it's going to hurt and suck every single time. And, you know, I, I really, I think about that. Like, you know, and I talked uh, yeah, to some of the guys, everybody wants to prep for the mountains. Like, I got a ruck, I got a ruck, I got a ruck. Mm. And yeah, you need to have some time with a pack on your back. But yeah. the fastest, so in the army, we use a 12 mile ruck for, uh, it's kind of a measurement for different things. And so mm-hmm. I was going to a school and I had to do an entrance test for a 12 mile ruck. And my fastest time ever, I did zero ruck prep. I just ran and I was, yep. I worked and I, I worked up to be, I ran the furthest I ever run in my life, which was just shy of a half marathon. If I'd been smarter, I would have just went ahead and ran the extra little bit to get to the half marathon to say I did it. But, you know, and I, I was, I really worked on that oxidative system and I could just go and it was the yep. best endurance I've ever had in my life. 
And because I've already have a chassis and I'm already pretty strong, the ruck didn't feel that bad. And then I had that, I really worked on my deficiency, which is the oxidative system. And I shaved like 30 minutes off of a 12 mile time, did it in sub sub 230. And like, I didn't ruck at all. And, and yeah. working on the, the right things, like you're not putting a heavy pack on your back and walking. Like when you actually think about what muscles, what are you working, what energy systems, yeah. is that worth the toll, you know, your, your body position, are you shortening your, uh, your quads? Like, you know, your hip flexors are shortening. Like you've got all this stuff that's not probably doing the right thing to spend that much time under load versus you can be a lot more intelligent with that training. Yeah. The, the rucking things in, as it relates to prepping for hunts specifically is always one that I've had a bunch of guys in the hunt world and, on on the show in the past right and that's like always one of the ones i like to ask is like where do you fall on the training by doing rucks or by by getting out and hiking versus i you know you don't necessarily need to and there's a few guys that are like kind of in the middle but i've had a couple of guys that like will die by one or the other Mm -hmm. it's like no i don't do any training i just go out i'm in the mountains Cause that's what I do. And I'm like, I, you know, I understand that. Right. Like I, it, it doesn't make zero sense, but then there's the guys who are like, no, I don't do anything outside ever. I'm just in the gym all the time. And the first time I'm on the mountain is the first time I'm on the mountain all year. I'm like, well, that's kind of going too far the other way, probably. Right. Yep. Like the, from the, from the training prep perspective, like you need both. But I think with the rucking in practice, there's more to it than just the, getting better at the rucking part because if you're out there in the mountains and you're hiking around and you're you're getting better at being in the woods like that's the other benefit of doing that in prep not just like i'm a better hiker now you know like you can actually get like you said stronger better endurance a lot of stuff by training but you need like that combination of everything to i think you know be ultimately much have a a better chance of success because i can't say in hunting it's like you're going to be successful if you do this because that doesn't work right no (laughs) i'd have a lot more stuff on the wall so you can see there's pretty empty back there (laughs) so let's get into that so uh we got we got a little bit of time left um anytime i have guys hunt guys on i have like a few questions i always like to ask because i want to get I want to get the perspectives from all different kinds of hunt guys, right? So we'll, we'll, we'll nail them one at a time, but I have, what is your favorite hunt you've ever been on? And what is like your dream hunt you want to go on? Oh, favorite hunt. Um, so I'm fairly new into the Western game. I got stationed at Fort Carson. That's why I came out to Colorado. So I've been out here for three ish years, done a few, several Western hunts, Mm-hmm. A little bit of success, not much. I got my ass kicked a lot. But I had a blast uh, two years ago before I deployed. My cousin Perry came out. And we did a muzzleloader antelope hunt. And it was oh, in a unit that cool. had just opened up uh, for to public for public access. And so there wasn't a lot of folks. Or the, it wasn't the unit, the tract of land that we were on. It was pretty big. I think it's like 70-some mm-hmm. thousand acres. And because it had never hadn't been hunted very much, there was a ton of opportunity. Now, we neither one of us killed. Uh, but... Gosh, you talk about shortening the learning curve, hunting for that many days, and the amount of stalks that we went on, like That's learning cool. how to actually get close to an antelope. Like if it had been a rifle hunt, I would have tagged out in the first 15 minutes straight up. Yep. Like I was very close. I mean, I was, uh, you know, within 200 meters of an antelope. But in Colorado, you can't run scopes on your muzzleloaders, and you can't run mm. saber rounds. And so mm. it's only loose powder, true to bore, and open sights. And I learned a lot of, like the amount of valuable lessons I learned on that hunt for not even just 
stalking antelope, but stalking all game is just, I can't, I learned so much. I feel like I went from like zero to where I'm extremely confident as a stalker now because you just don't get that many opportunities um, to, to get that close to that many animals. You know, I'm talking like low crawling for 800 meters using micro terrains to actually like on your belly cactus in your forearms, just like trying to get close enough to, cause they're, they have such good vision. So that was probably my favorite hunt. I love hunting antelope. What's your distance in that scenario that you would be comfortable shooting at with that muzzle loader setup? I'd like to say sub two, but I had one broad, like or facing me dead on. Um, yeah. so they'll, when you, spook them a lot of times they'll j-hook and come back around to face you so they can see you they're so fast yep. they're they so just fast. <laughs> they just stay, like maintain some distance right and i had a group it was like four uh does and a buck they came up and i was in the prone on the bipod like looking at them the problem with and what i was this was a big lesson i learned was my fiber optic sight was pretty fat and on mm. an antelope at 160 yards that sight That's took small. up over the, the entire chest yeah and in hindsight, I probably should have taken the shot because uh, I think I would either killed it or missed based on you know how small they are. And it's a fifty yep. caliber muzzleloader, right? And, I, and at one hundred and sixty, I would have been comfortable. But you know, the it was hard for me to. That's not a shot you would usually take. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and so I, I wrestled with it for a while and ended up not taking it. And then I missed one. And so like I think this year, and uh, Perry and I are doing that same hunt again, and we've talked about it. We're going to really make sure we're comfortable out to 200 and we're, yeah. we're replacing all of our sights on our muzzleloader so we don't run that fiber anymore we're going to run a ghost ring with a crosshair front sight which is going to be a little more precise mm-hmm. and then really put the reps in and that was the other thing is like i didn't prep the way that i should have with the mm-hmm. muzzleloader yeah. i didn't shoot it i shot it but i shot it at the range off a bench Yep. At this distance, this I didn't shoot like odd distances. I didn't go to you know, and so I learned a lot of lessons there as well to like get more familiar with the weapon system. Kind of take it for granted when it, when it's a rifle. You know, you, I could not shoot a rifle for a while and, and be pretty competent. I've been shooting for so long, and you know, bows you have to stay on top of. And muzzleloaders are they're kind of they are in the in between, especially with open sights. You have to make sure you're putting those reps in. But yeah, that that was one of the most fun hunts I've been on because of the action. There were so many antelope. And especially, like you talked about, just shortening your learning curve because of so many stocks. Antelope are, they're unbelievable in mm-hmm. terms of, like, you will blow it quickly because of how how well they see and how fast they are. Like, mm-hmm. and, and, and in the terrain, most of the time you're hunting antelope, you have, like, 10-mile visibility. So it's like getting that close to those extremely skittish and fast creatures is unbelievable. Like for going back where you're up in the woods and you've got some, you know, some natural, you know, wilderness to work with it. You don't have hardly any of that out in the open desert where the antelope are. Yeah. And yeah, learning how to use, I mean, I remember there was one little, so we were hunting in a, it's leased by one of the local ranchers. And so it's grazed down mostly grass. So it wasn't, you know, a ton of sage and, there was like one sage bush and like I had to angle myself from like 800 meters out to where as I was low crawling, it was the sage bush stayed between me. And so it's like basically like face on the ground, crawling, sitting up just enough to glass to try to find its ears mm-hmm. um, and horns. And then like, so, cause like we, we coined a little term that was like always be glassing. So like yeah. every time you'd come up to a piece of micro terrain, it was terrain. It was like glass, glass, glass. Cause you want to see their ears or their horns before, the eyes because as soon as you can see their eyes they've already seen you and you're screwed yep. 
Yep. And if they see you and then you duck back down, they're going to stare a hole through that spot. And <laughs> yep. they're so locked on. And then, then they actually, I joke, it's like they make a little patrol base like we do in the Army, right? And then the does mm-hmm. will look and cover all directions, and the bucks will sit in the middle. And the does just pull security like crazy. And, the, God, they're so fast. <laughs> and they'll let you get pretty close because they don't really yeah. care um, if they haven't been had a lot of rifle shots slung at them sure. uh, early season. But, you know, once once rifle season opens – Dude, it's crazy. Like in the yeah. Wyoming, when we go up there, the cars don't bother them. But if the truck stops, they're gone. They're Just gone. gone. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So we started doing like a little duck and roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But oh, yeah, it's great, it's dude. it's fun. They're just a cool critter, and they are decent opportunity. It's getting harder because you know guys like Ronello have made it so popular. But uh, it's good for the sport in general. But yeah, it's they're a they're a fun hunt. That's awesome. What about dream hunt? What's the what's the number one? I mean, I think it's so when I, I've done two deployments in Afghanistan, and like I just always loved Afghanistan, and it is a mm. awesome, awesome country. And I always thought back to that well, scene in Black Hawk Down where the dude's like, "It'd almost be a nice place to visit." Like that's <laughs> yeah. you know, if they could get their I've heard their, that a lot their shit guys. together, dude. It is. Over there, man. And I lucked out on my first deployment. We were part of the theater response force, and so I was only I was a late deployer, so I was only there for a partial, but. We were just all over the country, so I got to see a significant portion of it, and was kind of all over the place. And like, I was like, man, this is awesome. And then you look at the the hunting opportunities are actually phenomenal, like the ibex and like, and so I think an ibex Afghan hunt, you know, and you know, you've seen it where like Vietnam vets will go back to Vietnam now and hang out there. Like, if they could ever get their shit together, the yeah. Taliban just calms down a little bit and just yeah, like seriously. open it up for some tourism, I, and they could leverage because you could have world class skiing and snowboarding and just mountaineering and all this stuff and it would be cool i think that confuses a lot of people too because i think that most people's perception of it is that it's just like sand dune desert everywhere yeah you know and a lot of places over there are like that but yeah my second uh, deployment i was in helmand which is just desert (laughs) it sucks (laughs) (laughs) and uh because you know over here i'm in i'm in what uh western idaho and there's all this all the sawtooth range that's Mm -hmm. in the central part of the state is actually a really popular training ground for a lot of military guys because of how similar it is yep. to a lot of the mountain ranges over in Afghanistan. So there's drills being run in the sawtooths all the time because of that. And it's like, I never would have thought that until I knew guys who went and then came back like, dude, it's like one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. And I'm like, that's pretty cool actually. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. So I think that would just be, it'll be a kind of a full circle hunt. Cause I feel like I, you know, after the way everything went, I feel like I wasted some time over there. Uh, yeah. And so I, I think it would be really cool to to go back and just experience it in a different way. Because the culture, the people, like, it's just, I've had a lot of introspection on the whole thing. And I just, I feel like we, and that's a whole, we could do a whole nother podcast on that. But I, I think that it would yeah. be really cool to be able to go back and have a different perspective of what that was. Do it and, on your time, basically. Exactly. And what a lot of people don't realize is before the Soviets invaded, it was very modern Western uh, country. Yeah. Or not, I won't say Western, right? But it was very modern. Right. Uh, modern. Women walked around with without hijabs and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, Energizer had a massive plant in Kabul, and Kabul was like an international hub. And there's like all this really cool stuff that was going on. And the Soviets, you know, really derailed the whole thing and, and then it kind of the rest is history i guess but and then back then they had some really cool uh, tourism and especially mm. with the outdoor world and i think that it would be cool for them to bring that back and the taliban has evolved uh we we forced them to they were offering like death benefits and stuff when when i was over there it's like i was in garmser and, and helmand and 
you know, if guys were fighting for the Talibs and they got killed, like they were getting their families were getting paid for life, and it, it's wow. not the way it, it's always portrayed. And I'm not saying the Taliban doesn't have their faults because they do, but so do yeah. me. Right. <laughs> that's a good. Yeah. That's a good mark at the end there. <laughs> yep. Uh, cool, man. Well, dude, we're right at about an hour. I wanted to, yeah, just say thank you for making time. I'm glad we were able to finally get this nailed down and make some time to chat. And dude, I, I'm sure we could do a couple more hours on other shows to to talk about a lot of other things. But um, why don't you give out all the information for people to follow Hunt, Lift, Eat, and everything you guys are doing, and check in to, to follow and support what you guys are building. Absolutely, man. I, I just want to say I really appreciate the opportunity, and then you just taking the time and working with the crazy schedules. Yeah, and I'm really glad we finally got to, to line this out. Any any time, I'm willing to jump back on. Give me a couple of weeks once this baby comes. But yeah, man. But yeah, if, if you guys are interested in kind of checking out what we've got going on, we're the most active on on Instagram. It's at HuntLiftEatOfficial. We're also on Threads now. Uh, TikTok, Facebook's the same. Everything's HuntLiftEatOfficial. Uh, and then we've got uh, our, our websites, huntlifteat.com. I try to keep everything pretty straightforward. We offer training programs, also branded apparel and merchandise and, you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah, that's that's what we've got. And I'm, I'm stoked and really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, man. Awesome, man. We'll, we'll have a good one and we'll catch up soon, all right? Sounds great.